time for King's Weekly. He's got the bucket! Recapping the week that was, previewing what's ahead, and looking at the biggest stories surrounding the team. It's King's Weekly. Here's your host, Chris Watkins. Inbounds to Hero with the midcourt line. Hero is going to be the man, it looks like. He makes a move now on Davis. He fakes the three. Now he steps into the three. He scores it with 1.8 seconds to go. Tyler Hero knocking it down. The Kings don't have a timeout. Delavadova, baseball pass up the floor, looks for Sabonis, and Sabonis is fouled. No, they call him on an offensive foul. This game will be over in three-tenths of a second. Tyler Hero is a great player, but at the end, of, he traveled. He traveled on the last play, and I would be, I, I would not be doing my job if I didn't come up here and protect my guys. My guys fought their behind off for close to 48 minutes, and to pump fake uh, on a side, then sidestep, and then one sidestep or hop, and then one two and a shot, and not make that call uh to me it's just it's just unbelievable and it's not why we lost the game although i didn't think we got a fair whistle and i i hope when when the officials go back and and, and look at the game uh, they can see it i thought harrison got bumped on a drive that that wasn't called that was a huge momentum swing for these guys that was your Sacramento Kings head coach, Mike Brown. After the Kings lost to the Miami Heat the other night, where Tyler Hero, as Mike Brown so so perfectly put, traveled. He 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 traveled. The two-minute report has has now came out. We now the referees have kind of acknowledged their mistake, I guess, if that's what the two-minute report is is meant for. No, I don't think anyone really fully understands what the purpose of that two-minute report is, if it's meant to make us feel better, actually, because it definitely doesn't. It's just an acknowledgement of the mistake. You obviously can't go back and, and reverse that, but we now know that, yes, that Tyler Hero traveled on that last second shot. Uh, that did have a direct impact on on the game and on the result. You know, you, you can't assume what would have happened in that overtime period, but, you know, it's nothing new to this organization, this franchise. The Kings and... And referee blunders go hand in hand like like peanut butter and jelly almost it seems like so uh, nothing new there but I did like I have to I have to acknowledge uh, Mike Brown earning his his fine there you know nowadays in the NBA you get slapped with a twenty five thousand dollar fine and by the way like can we just acknowledge twenty five thousand dollars like they just throw that out like it's nothing twenty five thousand dollars is gonna come out of this man's pocket. Because he called out something correctly. But, again, as, as I was saying, he, he earned his fine. If you, if you even hint at some sort of controversy or, or disagreeing with the referees, the NBA is going to fine you. It doesn't matter if it's just a little side note, if you did what Mike did, and Mike might have earned himself a, a couple more uh, dollars in his fine with, with how just adamant he was um, about the referees and how his team has been officiated. But Mike Mike went all in. He said, if I'm going to pay this $25,000, I'm going to get off what I have to say and not apologize and not be apologetic. And he didn't just call out 
that one play, the Tyler Hero game winner, he also had this to say about how his team has been officiated pretty much this entire season. We have to go earn our respect, you know, because right now people get caught up in the hype and the crowd of, uh, and the excitement of the crowd, and they look at what's on our jersey, I'm assuming, and see Kings and, um, you know, maybe expect us to lose. I don't know. But uh, it's just two, like, blatant calls that uh, were right in front of guys. And I just, I just I feel bad for my players. Slade, I don't know what the definition of a travel was, is. I don't know. Maybe they're caught up in the excitement of the crowd. Maybe it's the Miami Heat and we're the Sacramento Kings, and that's Tyler Hero, and it's a last-second shot and or walk-off. Like in, what do you call it? Walk-off homer? So walk-off homer shot, maybe. maybe. Maybe they're caught up. I don't know. Yeah. And there's Mike, again, really earning his money on that one. He, he could not have been more, more critical, honestly, of, of referees. That's, that's about as blunt as you're going to hear from a head coach, uh, especially now uh, that those fines have become pretty customary. And he brings up a pretty, you know, it's kind of like that third rail where the NBA does not want people talking about referees possibly having any sort of bias going into games or, or during games. Like I said, the Kings are no stranger to referees and controversy. We we all know. I don't need to rehash the Tim Donaghy scandal and, and all of that. But that is exactly – that is t- literally exactly what the NBA is trying to avoid. Any form of controversy, any form of, you know – speculation of collusion they're trying to avoid that entire thing and mike brown drove his point straight into that third rail he did not care and he brings up an interesting point have the kings really been officiated differently are they do referees really expect because the kings are the kings the kings are that franchise they kind of go in knowing or not knowing but just even if it's subconsciously feeling like this is the Kings and they're probably going to lose this game anyway. And if I kind of see something that might look like a foul, I'm just going to call it because this team isn't good and they haven't earned my respect. And, and respect is actually uh, a, a really big key to this. And, and yesterday on Cattles and Rami, uh, they, they asked assistant coach Doug Christie the same exact question on, on what he thought about Mike Brown's comments. And this is what he had to say. You, you're going you're gonna to have to take the bumps and bruises and the lumps until you draw a line in the sand, dig your feet in, and begin to do the things that we're doing. Now, the process of getting to the point where people put respect on your name, that takes a while. The reason that it takes a while is because, like I said, you got to start beating people. And once you do, and we will. When that happens, all of a sudden those things, and I believe because I didn't, I don't really do social media and all that, so I didn't see coaches' comments. But just hearing what you said, I, I'm totally with him 100. percent It's like, oh, the Kings. Well, there was a time when it was like, oh, the Kings, right? And and it's just a, a difference in a way. I'm saying the same words, but I'm saying them in a different way. That's okay. It'll it'll change, but we have to we have to continue to do the things that we're doing to make it happen. And there you go. I love Doug is Doug is incredible. I mean, I miss Doug doing radio because he's he just has such a way of putting things. I love how he said, you know, oh, it's the Kings. But in the past, it was it's the King. Doug, Doug is great. But there he's, he laid it out. He, he pretty much said an unwritten or an unspoken thing that 
there is kind of a bias where it's like you have to earn the referee's respect in a weird way. You have to earn those superstar calls as we as we as we call them traditionally. Uh, you know, and I think at the end of the day, what Mike is really trying to do and the point he's trying to drive home is I don't feel like Demonis Sabonis has had a fair whistle all season. And that's been a major issue for this team as they're already fighting an uphill battle of the 16-year playoff drought. You know, that's on their back. They're trying to turn over this franchise and make it into a perennial winner. And it's hard to do if you feel like the referees are against you. And if your big man, your your star big man, is getting called on ticky-tacky little fouls that prevent him from being in the game at the end of the day, at the end of the game, uh, where the he can have the most impact. And we've seen in a majority of games this season, ex- with really the Miami game being the exclusion, that Sabonis has found himself in foul trouble routinely this season. And the Kings aren't just flat out, especially, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jason Anderson actually just put out as I'm doing this segment that De'Aaron's supposed to play tonight. But without De'Aaron Fox, the Kings need Demonis Sabonis on the floor as much as possible, not only for his scoring, but also, as we've pointed out countless times, Sabonis is kind of the Kings' main, uh, you know, they, they funnel their offense through him. And so if he's not going to be on the floor, it just completely changes what they're trying to do, who they're trying to be as a team. So, you know, again, I, I, I looked at some numbers. I don't think that the Kings are really refereed much differently or, or much worse because of who they are. They're around middle of the league in fouls called for them, uh, like in their favor. They're 13th in the league, and you know they, they do get called for a whole lot of fouls. They're fourth right now in, in fouls per game. But number one is the Warriors in, in, in fouls per game. So, you know, I, I wouldn't really say that, you know, the Warriors obviously have a certain level of success, a certain pedigree. Clearly, if referees are looking at pedigree as a way of calling a game, and the Warriors have that pedigree and are not being called that way. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see moving forward how Demonis Sabonis is refereed different, and especially De'Aaron Fox. I mean, he's he's a completely different player if he can get to the line ten times a game. That real, I mean, that would open up so much more for his offense, where he's already killing it in the paint. Um, if he can start to get some superstar calls, I would welcome it, and uh, and I think Mike Brown would as well. That's the first segment in the books. Feels good. I got uh, Frankie Cardicelli, my Return of the Roar co-host and Kings Insider, joining me on the other side of the break. Uh, and I'm going to ask him if he truly, truly does believe that the Kings are no longer the NBA's most dysfunctional franchise. This is Kings Weekly, Sacktown Sports, 1140. It's Kings Weekly with Chris Watkins. Yeah. Kings Weekly. I am Chris Watkins. I should mention that this is kind of today like a, a Kings pre, pre, pre-game show as we're leading you till noon. We have game night at 1230, bringing you all the way till Kings pre-game starting at 1.30, tip off at 2 o'clock right here on Sacktown Sports 1140. You can hear every Sacramento Kings game right here on Sacktown Sports 1140. Check us out on YouTube at Sacktown Sports 1140 as well. Joining me is my return of the roar 
co-host, our Sacktown Sports 1140 Kings insider, Frankie Cardicelli. No quotations this week at all. Uh, we, we don't need quotations for Kings insider, Frankie Cardicelli. Good. Yeah, no, I'm glad to have you, man. So I have to ask you this. The Kings, or you, you I, I was thinking about actually adding a, a whole segment here called Frankie's Fire Tweets. Because wow. man, always on the on the weekly, you have something that sparks a conversation that teaches somebody something. Something, uh, not this week. This week, your fire tweet of the week was a meme, and that meme was one hand holding a torch that said Sacramento. The, the hand said Sacramento Kings. The torch said most dysfunctional NBA franchise. On the other receiving end of that torch was one Brooklyn Nets. Frankie. I wonder why. Yeah, we don't we don't need to get into that. Do you truly believe that the Kings have passed that torch? Are the Kings no longer the NBA's most dysfunctional franchise? Yeah, like that was kind of just in fun, For but sure. of, of course people see that and they want to bring up the fact that <clears throat> you know the the 16 year playoff drought and yeah, that's that's definitely an issue, but when you look at all the kind of factors that go into what the Brooklyn Nets are going through right now, what the Los Angeles Lakers are going through right now, um yeah, I'm going to say the Kings are kind of taking a small step up. It's like that meme with, uh, what is it, that guy that's biting on the, the medal, like the Olympics, and, and everyone's kind of looking at him on, like, the podium, and what? he's, like, in third place, like, oh, celebrating yes. with, gotcha. with like, champagne yes. and stuff. It's, like, the third place yes. guy. But yes. that's kind of like where the Kings are right now. They're kind of moving up that, that totem pole. Right. But uh, <laughs> I think that as far as the Kings and, and, and how they've gone to this season without any drama, last year you saw – Marvin Bagley, the night before opening night, the mm-hmm. statement from his agent that he wasn't going to be in the rotation. Uh, Buddy Heald just seemed like he was unhappy and didn't want to be here from, I mean, not just the beginning of last year, but from a year or two years ago. Um, the There has been a lot of good things about this team, and they haven't shown up in the win column yet. I mean, there's two games now that the Kings should have probably had, the game against the Clippers. They missed 11 free throws. And then, of course, last game, we, we all know about the uh, – our favorite thing, the two-minute report, which confirms that uh, Tyler Hero traveled. Would the Kings have won that game in overtime? I, I, I don't know. I mean, we, it's, there's no point in debating that. But uh, I think that the results are, are close, and this team does show a lot of promise. And most importantly, there's no drama surrounding them. Right. So for that, yeah, I threw out a little fun meme. It's all in fun. <laughs> I'm not saying the Kings are right. better than the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets still have Kevin Durant. They do have Kyrie Irving they on the roster for now. Have. Uh, and they have Ben Simmons, who yeah. we'll see if he comes back and makes a difference. But right. the Kings are they're on the up. They're on the up, which on is the end. important thing, right? As long as we're not getting deeper and deeper into the dysfunction, I guess we'll we'll just have to take that. Uh, something that I kind of I I think I actually commented it to your exact post. I'm not entirely sure if the Kings are 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 done with their sh- whatever. Sh- I don't know what word to use, but the leaked jerseys. And we're going to get to basketball, actual basketball questions here in a second. But what were your thoughts on on the leaked city jerseys? I'm coming around on it. I think it's something different and new. Uh, I'm not sure how you feel about gray. I mean, I think gray. Not a fan. It's it's a pretty neutral color. I feel like I don't know how many people could hate gray. It's 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 just fine. I think is the way I'm kind of going to sit on that. It's just, it's right. just fine. Yeah. It's, and I I really like last year's city like edition jersey, mm-hmm. the Sacktown, the, the the black jerseys with the the white sack town the purple yes. outline the curse of writing i thought that was something the kings honestly should have kept i think i told you last year i would have been fine if that became their right permanent uh one of the permanent their black, uniforms they're like permanent black jersey yeah I, completely I, agree. I i think that 
they're close, in my opinion. I mean, I have no idea. I just right. think that they're probably close to new uniforms at some point in the near future. I think that it's been, what, five, six years? Not that this even matters. Right. right. Again, but it's just, I think that they're getting close. So, I mean, this might not even matter a year right. from now, but at least it's not like a couple of years ago where they had the the blue Sacktown City Editions right. and they just was said, Nike just said, okay, let's just make those red this year. It, it, and they both were just not my favorite. They were both definitely not it. And I am glad to see that we have drifted away from that kind of jersey. And at least, you know, yeah, we're getting we're getting solid colors, which is fine. Better and, than neon, like they have in Utah. Oh my I'm not sure what yeah, that's those about. Are, those are terrible. Who things. likes highlighter yellow? I just don't understand that. <laughs> I, I can't answer that. Apparently Kyle. Kyle's pointing at himself. He he likes neon jerseys. Okay. Well, that baby. There we <laughs> well, there go. There you go. There's one. Uh, Frankie Cardicelli, Sacramento Kings insider here at Sacktown Sports 1140, is joining me. Let's talk basketball now. Kevin Herter has been on an absolute tear, has been killing everybody. I mean, he, he on a nightly basis, is the Kings' best or second-best player uh, and has been absolutely lethal uh, from beyond the arc this year. He's shooting 51% from three, 50% from the field, just under 19 points a game, uh, has career highs in points per game, assists, Three-point makes, three-point attempts, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, and minutes. Can Kevin Herter actually keep this produ- – I mean, you know, 50-50 splits are insane, but can he keep that kind of level of production at a high – you know, at an elite level? Yeah, I don't know about the 50-50. That would be right. historic. I think that would be literally historic. Historic, yeah. yeah. I do think his – what he's been doing, maybe not the numbers. Like, I don't know if he's going to average 20 on 50 and 50 over the whole year, but – uh, just the fact that he's in a new place where he's not kind of that fourth, fifth option like he was in Atlanta. And that's what the case was. Kind of like what Harrison Barnes is going through right now where you're kind of not really the focal point of the, of the offense and not really even necessarily a top three option. So uh, he's a top two, top three option right now. He's arguably the Kings' second best scorer. I mean, especially because Demonis Sabonis has yet to kind of show uh, his touch around the rim and stay on the floor consistently. Right. But the three-point shooting is there. And I had said this on Cattles and Rami just yesterday. Plug. The, the fact plug the fact that uh, he's doing it by creating his own shots. Right. That's something that we saw Buddy Heal. He was unable to do that. I mean, he would turn the ball over when he put the basketball on the floor. You know, it never looked clean. Kevin Herter, that's not the case. He's able to create his own shot. He's taking those step back triples from twenty eight thirty feet. That I just it's like video game numbers or video game and it's it's cash every time. Like <laughs> it, the the way that the net snaps when he hits them is like violent. Oh, like that was going in from jump. Uh, so I've I've been incredibly impressed with with I almost call him it feels weird to call him Kevin like it's it feels almost like too too personal. <laughs> I've seen some people are, are bringing over the Atlanta the Kayvon, but I feel like that was a name that was right. retired in Atlanta. But and it, it, some people are using it on Twitter. I just don't know. I think he said that he wants that to stay in Atlanta. But it should. It should. It's very funny. I I really enjoy the nickname, but yeah, it, it is kind of like Atlanta specific. Like yeah. that's very Atlanta speak. And, and I think know, he California sure, Sacramento is not Atlanta. I'm pretty sure he said in his opening press conference in Vegas that he wants that to stay there. Right. So headband herder, right? I like going it. strong, right? <laughs> the going head, strong, right? Because he would probably we we see players all the time like they'll blame their performances on their accessories all the time. So it's good to see. Kevin Herter play well in the headband. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. And if anything, if he ever takes it off, he'll probably revert back to it because of how – I mean, this is the best basketball he's played in his entire career. And it's great to see it actually happen in Sacramento. How many times does that actually work out for us? Best case scenario. Never. I mean, you and I sat here, I think, when the trade happened. The day the, day the trade happened, mm-hmm. we walked down the hall and we recorded about Kevin Herter. And right. I think we said best case scenario, he's a knockdown shooter that can – 
be a contributor maybe off the bench or in the starting lineup, maybe, and now we're kind of getting an emphatic no. He's, <laughs> now he's going to be yeah, right. that guy. Second so. best player or second best scorer on the team kind of stuff. So that's been very good to see. Uh, something that hasn't been good to see is is the Kings bench and just the inconsistency that we've had there. Um, do you feel like the bench has let this team down this season? I don't know about let them down. I think that it's been a letdown, but it's there's a lot of things that are kind of factoring into a two and five start. One is the horrible schedule. Uh, second, of course, Demonis Sabonis has struggled. But yeah, the bench is probably up there as one of the biggest problems. And when you take Keegan Murray out of the equation, I, I think that they're one of the bottom bottom tier bench teams in the league right now. And it's good to see Malik Monk has kind of found his offense over the past two games, and he looked really good last game, both shooting the basketball. And as a distributor, seven mm-hmm. assists. I think that's his second game with seven assists this yes, season, Yes, he's had, I think, two with seven and one with six. So that's good. That's right. huge. And I think that's one of the main reasons why they brought him here, to be that scoring punch off the bench. And another guy who can put the ball on the floor, and you don't have to worry about him um, making those those awful turnovers. But uh, definitely disappointing. And that kind of goes back to the way Davion Mitchell has played. He's kind of, I think, getting a lot of uh, criticism right now from uh, around the Kings fan base. And he had a good game a couple, a couple nights ago when De'Aaron Fox went down. But it, it's kind of posing that question of, is he a backup point guard? And I, I don't know. I think he, the numbers have shown he plays better in a starting role. He is more comfortable in a starting role where he's playing 30 to 35 minutes a night. And I think even last game uh, against the, the Heat, I think he only played, what, uh, 10 minutes, 11 minutes? Or 20, well, that was 20 minutes, but off the, he started. But he, he'll, I went tonight. He's probably right. going to play like 10, 11, right. 15 minutes. Right. It's, just, it's not like last year where he played 30 to 35 minutes per night off the bench. I believe he finished games last year. We're talking about Davion, correct? Yeah. I believe Davion, he is. He is Davion's averaging 19 minutes per game yeah. so far this season. And he, he just was a guy that was playing a lot down the closing stretch of the season. Sure, De'Aaron Fox was hurt and he had the hand injury, but it's just, I think he's better in a starting role. And I don't know if he's comfortable in the bench role. Clearly not right now, both him and Rashawn Holmes. I. I agree 100%. That's actually what we're going to talk about next segment. So before we get there, give me your predictions for the week. The Kings play Orlando today. They play Golden State on Monday, Cleveland on Wednesday, Lakers on Friday. How do you, how do you think we do? Is that 2-2, two 3-1, and 4-0? Two, and they're they're going to play an angry Golden State Warriors team on, on Monday night after they lost to the Magic. No, I... One and three, maybe. I don't know. Right. The, the schedule's going to open up at some point. It's not yet, but I hope they can sneak a couple. I always like to err on the side of caution, so I'm going to say one and three, but right. I hope for two and two. <laughs> you heard it here first, so if the Kings don't do well, it's because Frankie was too negative. Uh, Frank, will you will you stick around yeah. for, for next segment? Beautiful. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, we're gonna next segment, we're going to talk about uh, some of the Kings that, that have struggled this season, so uh, definitely be sure to stick around for that. This is Kings Weekly, Sacktown Sports 1140. I don't take much joy in, in talking about what we're about to talk about next. Um, we're, we're talking about the the, the, the struggle, the, who's on the struggle bus right now. It, it's been it's been pretty clear. Uh, you know, there's there's been some good performers. We talked about Kevin Herter last segment. Uh, De'Aaron Fox has has played some of the best basketball of his career. Uh, Keegan Murray has had a good start to his career, though he's he's kind of started to hit some roadblocks here, but. There have been a couple players on the Kings who have definitely stuck out who, who are really struggling to start this season, and I kind of just wanted to, to go through them and, and give my thoughts on them. First off is, is Harrison Barnes, who's the only starter that I'm going to be talking about. Uh, Harrison is, is just not, not playing well right now. His shot's not falling. Both you know We've seen he's kind of a, a streaky player. Um, he, he traditionally has these games. You know, he'll, he'll have 
20-point performances, 15, 17, 18, and then he'll go four or five straight games of having under 10 points. And it's incredibly frustrating. I think that level of consistency is kind of why Harrison Barnes isn't in that kind of next category of players because at his best, from what we've seen, Harrison can do a little bit of everything. He can attack the rim. He's got that little slow-mo Euro step uh, that he really loves and is super effective. He's really strong, and he was, I thought last year he, he used his body a lot more and a lot better than I'd ever seen him in his career. Uh, he's, he's obviously a really good shooter when he's locked in. Uh, but to start the season, he's at 11.5 points per game, shooting 38% from the field. Shooting here. Here's the one that really, really hurts. Seventeen percent from three to start this season for a guy who's the best three point shooter on the team last year. Right after the obviously the Halliburton heel trade, but he was their three point leader threat. And and to not have Harrison Barnes playing at his, you know, it's it's tough because again, like with how well Kevin Herter is playing, with the addition of Keegan Murray, especially in the starting lineup. Those are guys who are essentially taking Harrison Barnes's role. I mean, last year he was the best, kind of our only good three-point option in the starting lineup. And this year, with the amount of shooters, I think he's really struggling to kind of find where he can pick and choose his spots for a guy who already was very particular about picking and choosing his spots. And it's just kind of the the passiveness, I think, that that's really stuck out to me and you know, it's it's hard. It's it just seems hard for him to get in a rhythm for for whatever reason where he's getting the minutes, but he's just not having the production. Is that kind of what you're seeing too? I mean, yeah, the shots, his his field goal attempts are down across the board. I mean, he he was at almost 11 last season, down to 8.9 this season, almost five threes per game last year, down to three. This and we, as you said, 17. percent I just think that he's being more passive. I think that's something that you said when we recorded uh, on Thursday that yes. he's it's just not like him. Plug. More plugs. It's just not. It's not the Harrison Barnes that we're. You know, we've been used to seeing, and again, it's just, it's just kind of. I don't want to make the excuse. It's early. It's been seven right. games, but he is. I don't want to say having to reinvent himself. At one point, I made the other day too was, he's been in this role before. It's just, it's different circumstances. He right. was a fourth, fifth option on the Golden State Warriors, a championship team. Right. The Kings aren't that, but he's kind of back in that similar position here, where he is not a top option. He is a four or five option, and that's kind of something he's not really comfortable with right now. But the numbers. You know, if you squint your eyes and kind of close out and don't, don't look at the field goal percentages, the 11 per game, five rebounds, it's pretty close to what he averaged in 2015-16 with the Warriors, 11-5 mm-hmm. and five as well. So right. it's just kind of that fourth-fifth option, yeah, just the getting percent- used to it. The percentages have not been there, and I, to me that's the most alarming part because, again, like he, he does this, and I, I looked at his numbers, some of his numbers from last year. He had a six-game stretch in mid-November last year where he was at thirteen, just under 14 points a game but was shooting 42%. 27% from three. Uh, he, it just, it's just, like, it's just a part of his game for whatever reason. It's, it's struggling to find consistency. He also had a 10 game stretch, uh, in late December, early January, 12.2 points a game, again, 42% from the field, but shooting 51% from three. So that's kind of like, that is the Harrison Barnes experience is like, even, even if he's shooting well, again, he's, he'll be too passive. And it's like, we need him to be a certain caliber of player for this whole thing to work, and I just don't think it's going to work. You know, the Kings aren't going to get to where they want to get to if Harrison Barnes is not 
that solid role playing piece that we have seen him be in the past. Yeah, I mean, he's been he was supposed to be a huge part of his team, and especially in a contract year. I think you and I both expected. I have, yes, I think you made that point a couple times right. on on our podcast and this show that you yes. expected big things from contract year HB. Harrison. But it's not a it's not going that way so far. But uh, again. So really, we've seen Harrison Barnes. Right. He is streaky. He could rattle off a four or five game streak of games where he has 15, 16 points and shooting well from the field. But if he's not going to be that 15, 16 point per game guy, he needs to hit those open shots, mm-hmm. and he's just not hitting them right now. And even when he's using his body to get into the paint, uh, those looks that we've we've seen him take over the years, and that he's honestly an efficient player around in and around the rim, they aren't falling either. So kind of lost right now, still trying to figure out where he fits in the offense. I think Mike Brown's also trying to figure out what way to best, you know, utilize Harrison Barnes. But uh, he's unfamiliar to and unfamiliar slash familiar if you want to count the Golden State Warriors, right. but unfamiliar in Sacramento territory. Right. He's not the only one who has struggled though this year. I mean, it would it would be unfair to blame the Kings' lack of early success on just Harrison Barnes. I think Davion Mitchell, we we touched on a little bit in that previous segment. He's really struggled to find his game. Uh, this is not the year two. I think he was hoping for at, at, by any stretch. It was good to see him play really well against the Hornets, especially, you know, De'Aaron goes out with 6.20 in the second quarter, doesn't come back, and Davion really had himself a moment. I mean, he was he was already doing really well. Uh, I have it written down here. He was 4 for 4 uh, from the field, 2 of 2 from 3 just in that first quarter. So even with De'Aaron on the floor, he was finding a way to make an impact. But once De'Aaron came off, he kept that production going and finished – he was eight of nine and four of five from three. So, you know, it was good to see Davion have that kind of game. And we don't need Davion to be perfect offensively. That, you know, he had an incredible game and only missed one shot. But if he can be half of that or just a piece of that for moments, I think that's the Davion Mitchell that we hope to see thrown on top, of course, with his incredible ball pressure uh, defensively. Shots seem to fall. I mean, it's pretty simple. Shots seem Make to fall. Make or miss league. And, and if, if you're not producing, if you're taking shots and they're not falling and you're taking a good amount of shots, which Davion is he's an aggressive player mm-hmm. on the offensive end. And if those aren't working, the, the bench unit's not going to work as a whole. And especially when you factor in that Rashawn Holmes is not the Rashawn Holmes that we have come to know. And he's, he is, again, as far as players that are lost, he looks lost out there yep. on both ends of the floor. And it's it's unfortunate because of how well he's played here for the majority of his Kings career. And right. he, even the push shots, I think he made a push shot last game, and I thought, is that the first push shot I've seen this season? It's the first one he's made, for sure. He's taken, I think, three total, and he's missed the first two. And Rashawn is actually the third player, unsurprisingly, on my list here, where, where yeah, I think Rashawn and Davion, to your point, kind of have the same struggle, where it's just they're getting – they're in such a lesser role than what they've been in the past. Davion, obviously, is only this is only his second season here. But uh, Davion went from 27 and a half minutes last year. He's now at 19.7. Uh, last season, he took 11.2 field goals per game. He's now down almost half that to 6.6 per game. Uh, Rashawn's kind of the same story where he's taking a career low 2.6 field goals per game. Rashawn is taking under three shots every game. And he's got career lows I have written down here in points per game. This is Rashawn. Rashawn Holmes, career lows so far this season. Points per game, blocks, steals, assists, offensive rebounds, free throw attempts, field goal attempts, and a career low in minutes. He's not a backup center. I just don't think at this point in his career he's a backup center. I think he's proven he is best suited in a starting role. Right. And it makes you kind of wonder, and, and he's not a rim protector. He's not. I mean, he, not. he played solid defense, so I think he had a block and a half per game a year mm-hmm. or two ago. 
it's just he's not a a, a known rim protector. And I'm not saying Alex Len is either, but it makes you kind of wonder in a game like today against the Magic, who everybody in their starting lineup is six ten or or taller, uh, except the point guard Jalen Suggs. Yeah. It's it's makes it makes you wonder if you want to go to Alex Len tonight and just kind of see mm-hmm. maybe his length and the fact that he can protect the rim a little more. Will that make a difference? But He's someone to keep an eye on because I, I just I don't think he's best suited in a bench role. It's just I think the Kings should look to upgrade their bench center position and then they should look to give Rashawn a shot somewhere else where he can start. But it might come to that later on. But unless he can kind of get going here, it just it might be push come to shove time. Would you almost rather have kept Damian Jones and put him as the backup center? Because kind of like to your point, I just think Rashawn for whatever reason, which is strange also, because if I can go on a little side tangent here, like when Rashawn came to Sacramento, he was our bench center. He was behind Dwayne Dedman, and his play earned him the starting. Like Rashawn 100% earned his minutes here in Sacramento and deserved to be a starter with how he played. And it's just so strange to me that he spent pretty much his entire career as a bench player and now just kind of seemingly, I mean, after two or three years of being a starter, just can't find that rhythm that he was accustomed to at one point. Yeah, I mean, Damian Jones was, he had a very good end of the season as well. Right. Sabonis was out. He got to prove that he can play in this league. Uh, now he's in L.A., and he's kind of buried in the rotation down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the Kings had him, yeah, I think it'd be nice to kind of throw him out there and see what you have. Just because he is a backup. You know, he yeah. knows that he's a backup center, and he knows that role almost exclusively. Yeah, I mean, Rashawn, he, he, like you said, he was that. But he earned that right to be a starting center. He he performed well. He beat out Dwayne Dedman, who got a lot of money from the Kings. I think they, I don't know if they're still paying him. I hope they? not. I hope not. I hope they're not paying him to hit two, two garbage. I, can, <laughs> I cannot express how angry it made me to see D- Dwayne Dedman just cash. The ball go in. Just, the ball go in oh in general. Gosh. Just, what do you shoot, 17% from three with the Kings? I don't I, even want to know. I don't even want to know because it, it felt like every every single three he took here in Sacramento missed. Why does that always happen? I have no idea. You and I talk about this all the time. Like, the Marco Bellinelli is, like, definitely the most notorious between you and I, at least, of, of like, this guy has literally been good everywhere that he has been. And he was good the second he left the team. If you don't believe us, go look at Marco Bellinelli's basketball reference, everybody. He had only one down shooting year from three, and it was in Sacramento. It's honestly incredible. It's incredible. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It, back to my point, I guess, Rashawn, is, he <laughs> beat out Dwayne Dedman, right. who was not performing, earned a right to start. I think that he himself as a basketball player now is a starter. I think he feels comfortable in that role. Uh, the the trade kind of came out of nowhere last year mm-hmm. for Demonte Sabonis. Mm-hmm. It kind of turned Rashawn Holmes' playing world upside down and sent him back to that bench role. And ever since, it just hasn't been the same. So it's um it's it just it's gonna be interesting to watch the next couple of weeks go by, especially the next months as we get closer to February's trade deadline. But it's it's not looking good as a bench role for Rashawn right now. This is way too early to speculate on, but at what? Could it get to a point where maybe you lump these three guys that we're talking about right now? Does Monty McNair maybe look to get pieces that just fit better? Again, like maybe you ship Rashawn Holmes off and you don't get value-wise what you should, but again, like maybe you get in return a backup center who, again, is is more suited to be the backup. Like at, at what point for you or do you think it'll get to a point where Monty might have to look – 
to fix this problem instead of it being a a, a coach problem. I, I think I think he's always looking, and I don't know if it's time to hit eject on some of these guys right now. I think Davion is someone I, I would I would like to have a player like Davion Mitchell around right. for the long haul and be a part of his core. But yeah, it's going to come down to what assets do you have, and he's kind of one of the more attractive assets on this team. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's young, controllable under contract, and can play defense at a very high level, which is a a lot of teams you know, aren't going to shy away from right. bringing in an impact defensive garb. So he's kind of their, their most attractive asset, mm-hmm. and that would be kind of the hardest thing to part with. But if we get to midseason and the Kings are kind of hovering around that familiar territory of, well, they're a game out of the play-in and, and they're two games under 500, then what do you do? Like, who do you move? Because you could move Harrison Barnes. Mm-hmm. I don't think his value will be that high, especially if he's not playing well. Yeah. But his value won't be high alone because he's an expiring contract. So you're going to get a maybe late second-round pick, or right. I don't even know if that's – I don't. why would you? I mean, he's going right. to be a free agent. That's so the thing. It's just it's going to come it down. it make your team better No, this it's, year. it's going to come all. down to where they are in the standings, I mm-hmm. think. And if they are underperforming in January, maybe late December, yeah, maybe there could be like a head-turning move that happens. Mm-hmm. Appreciate you, Frank. Thank you so much for joining me. Always appreciate you. I know. Yes. Well, we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely have to work you in more more than than your yeah. your current scheduled every other week. You know so. where I work. You know where I, know. I, find <laughs> I do. I do you know, know where to you find know you. Where I work, Frank. Uh, you can read his work at Sacktown Sports eleven forty. He's incredible. Definitely follow him on Twitter. F Cardicelli three. If you don't know how can to spell, spell it? it, just try me. Yeah. Yeah. I spell it all the time for our podcast. C A R T O S C E L L Yes. Yes. Italian last name. They okay. usually have two letters right. at the end. Okay. Impressive. Thank you. I we are friends. Hey. Thanks, man. My God. Appreciate you. All right. Coming up, we're gonna wrap this thing up. I'm gonna give you uh we're gonna look ahead. Like I said, this is the pre pregame show. Pre pre pregame show. So uh we're gonna look ahead to the uh, Orlando Magic and uh the the week ahead for Sacramento Kings basketball. This is Kings Weekly, Sacktown Sports eleven forty. Log on to Sacktown Sports' YouTube channel following every Kings game this season for the Sacktown Sports Kings recap. Carmichael Dave, Nick Cattles, Rami Makloff, and Chris Watkins interact with you directly after every Kings game all season long. Subscribe now and get notifications by searching for Sacktown Sports on YouTube. Kings get the victory and the celebration continues on Sacktown Sports, the flagship station of your Sacramento Kings. Kings Weekly with Chris Watkins. Kings Weekly. Last segment. Put a nice little bow on this this show today. It was a good show. Frankie Cardicelli joined us. If you missed any of the show, you can uh, tune in on on YouTube on Sac- at Sacktown Sports 1140. Rewind. Play back anything you missed. See, see me and Frank's face. And, uh, yeah, definitely, if, if you're in the, the YouTube right now, be sure to hit a thumbs up so, you know, the algorithm will, will push us to others who are trying to get this kind of content. And, uh, again, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to prove that I'm, I'm, the best, I'm the best one here. I can get the most interaction. So it's kind of, it's kind of like a little game. So I'm trying to win, and uh, I need you all help. So definitely be sure, be sure to, uh, to like uh, hit that like button and subscribe and whatever other things YouTubers say all the time to close their video. Um, we're going to close things out here. 
Like I said, we're going to look ahead to the the uh, following week. I've not had a chance to do this segment yet because I've been over prepping like crazy. So uh, I'm I'm excited to finally do this. And uh, Kyle, go ahead and hit that sound for for game of the week. Here's Kings Weekly's game of the week. You hear that? That that sounds official. That just sounds so official. Oh, I like the like the music under it too. Okay, we're doing things. Are we are we a radio show right now? Okay. <laughs> It's tough when when you uh, it's tough to not have the game of the week be the Kings Lakers game. I mean, it doesn't matter that both of these teams only have two wins. Lakers are two and six. Kings are two and five. That none of that matters. You throw the it's a cliche, but you throw those records out the door when these two teams square off, okay? Because anything can happen, and we've seen just about everything happen when these two teams line up. So it's my, my game of the week is going to be Kings Lakers. That's on Friday uh, in L.A. at the Crypto.com Arena. Yikes. Should be a fun one. Always fun. Uh, you know, the Kings played the Lakers in, in the preseason. And like I said last week, I kind of expect the Kings to be a better team than the Lakers this year. And I definitely would like to see them set the tone from the first game that, or first time they play them and really show how much better of a team they are because the Kings, that's where the depth of this team, I think, will really shine in it against a team like the Lakers where they're incredibly top-heavy, having LeBron James, having Anthony Davis. I'm not throwing Russell Westbrook in that conversation anymore. Uh, they, he is factually on the team, but you know he, he's not nearly the impact player that he used to be. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna go game of the week. Uh, Kings Lakers should be a fun one, and I definitely expect the uh, the Kings to come out on top. Kyle, go ahead and hit that next one. It's Kings Weekly's matchup to watch. I am not gonna get sick of that that voice guy, man. That makes it sound so official. <laughs> this one is again kind of an easy one. Uh, shout out, shout out Morgan Reagan, who uh, who is all over <laughs> this YouTube chat uh, earlier asked. Uh, which which uh, one of the rookies will win the battle tonight between Keegan Murray and Paolo Bancaro? The number one pick in this past draft going against the number four pick. I'm excited. I'm very excited to see how this one goes. Paolo has been on a tear to start his NBA career. Uh, he was, I think, his fir- his first six games he scored 20 points in all of those matchup or in all of those games, and has still kept up that that kind of scoring. And, you know, the, the Magic are coming off a really, really good win against the Golden State Warriors. Frank mentioned it earlier. The Magic are a team of giants. Their smallest player is 6'5". Their smallest starter is 6'5", Jalen Suggs. Uh, they also are throwing out 6'10", Wendell Carter, 6'10", Paolo Bancaro, uh, 6'10", Franz Wagner. Oh, yeah, and 7'2", uh, I almost called him Manute. Bull Bull, who who would have seen Bull Bull being great, uh, except for everyone who saw him play in high school and his short stint at Oregon. Uh, it was just going to be a matter of his body eventually catching up and being able to handle the physicality of being an NBA center. But Bull has been absolutely incredible this season. I'm incredibly excited to watch him play, uh, but that's not what this ma- the, this this game is going to be about. The Keegan Murray Paolo Bancaro matchup. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely pulling for Keegan, but 
I think tonight's going to be Paolo Bancaro's night, and he's he's going to want to show people that he is the best rookie in this class, and he has definitely proved that. But it's always uh, there's always battles with with people who are in your draft class. You always remember who was taken your year. Usually, it's who was taken in front of you. So I'm sure Keegan is going to have that kind of fire tonight, uh, whatever fire for Keegan Murray looks like. But it's going to be exciting, and I definitely expect both of them to definitely get up some shots. But wouldn't be surprised if both players end up with over 20 tonight because, the, the, you know, Keegan's been slumping, and I would really like to see him kind of get get back to, to the Keegan that we've seen. Uh, and now we're, that'll take us on to uh, storylines. Here's King's Weekly's top storyline. Love it, love it, love it, love it. This one was the question I asked Frankie uh, at the end of his first segment. Predictions. Can, can the Kings take care of business? Can they do what needs to be done this week? They play the Orlando Magic today at 2 o'clock, play Golden State on Monday, play Cleveland, who has played like one of the best teams in this league so far, especially with, with the addition of, of – almost did Davion Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell. Uh, it's – you know, that Cleveland team is incredibly scary. And then they play the Lakers on Friday, um, and then we'll we'll be right back here on Saturday for another Kings Weekly can they take care of business? The Orlando Magic, they've struggled this year. They, I'm not sure if the Warriors game was their f- second win or if it was their third win uh, on the season, but they're they're slow to get out the gate. The Lakers have been slow to get out the gate, as I mentioned, uh, and the Kings need to beat those two teams if they're trying to be that play-in team, that playoff team that, that they're hoping to be this year. You need to take care of the teams that you're better than or that it, the Orlando, Kyle's confirming for me, the Orlando Magic have two wins this season. They, they just got their second win against the, uh, the Warriors the other night. So, yeah, the Kings need to beat those two teams at least, in my opinion, uh, in order for this week to be viewed as a success and kind of, again, get, these, get the ball rolling in the wins column because the more and more that – the the win loss becomes unbalanced. You're just digging yourself a deeper and deeper hole, and I I don't think that the schedule is going to lighten up for the Kings anytime soon. So, if you can maybe sneak one against a Golden State team that's that's struggling right now, that would be ideal. You know, you 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 hope to not get swept. Uh, you know, they play the Warriors three times in the first fifteen or so games. You hope to not get swept by that team. You would hope to pick one up. It would be very big if that one can be on Monday. You get we'll just we'll play best case scenario here. If the Kings can win today, beat Golden State on on Monday, kind of gives you some leeway. Where again, like Cleveland is playing like some world beaters right now, and you know you hope to get some some home wins, but that's it's just going to be a tough game. And then again, can you take care of business on Friday? Beat the sorry Lakers, please, Sacramento Kings. I'm looking at you. Beat the Lakers, please. I can't can't stand. Laker fans being happy. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's – that's that's uh, if I had to give an overall prediction, if I'm going to put my stamp down, I made Frank do it, so I got I to gotta live up to that same standard. It's tough because it's like what do I want to happen and what do I think will happen? I obviously want them to prove that point, go 3-1, and one, but it just feels like Frankie is right. And it it's 2-2 two and two, hopefully and – you know, I could I could definitely see them dropping tonight's game, or it's not tonight, today's game, uh, and then dropping Warriors, dropping Cleveland. But we're not losing to the Lakers, okay? We are not losing to the Lakers. That's not happening. 
Thank you so much, everyone who joined. Frankie Cardicelli, as always, my guy. Kyle, other side of the glass, my guy. Everyone on YouTube, my people on the radio, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next week, next Saturday, 11 o'clock, Kings Weekly, right here in Sacktown Sports, 1140. You want Kings talk? I'm a diehard Kings fan. There's nowhere else you need to go but here. Kings games, Kings interviews, Kings breaking news, Kings coverage. Nobody has it all but us. Sacktown Sports, your local sports leader.